fire, earth, water, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed and the water nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello, everyone. It's me, Madam Melamiao, welcoming you to Chapter 18 of Distorted Reality. This chapter is called The Swordmaster, and I've been pretty excited for it, I've got to say. However, I am now not in my old recording area. I am at a dorm, and as it turns out, my microphone isn't working, so I am using a new one. I don't know if this is going to improve things or if it's going to make it worse, but here we are. We'll find out together. Um, as for this chapter, it is one of the ones that has not been updated. Again, I said I was going to tell you guys at the start of each episode if the chapter has been updated or not. This one has not. Um, follow us on our social media pages if you want to. That is... On Tumblr, we are Avatar Distorted Reality Dash Podcast. On Reddit, we are Distorted with a capital D Reality with a capital R Pod P O D with a capital P. And on Twitter, which yes, we are still trying to do that Twitter thing. Our Twitter handle is Atla, A-T-L-A, all capitals, distort, with a capital D, pod, with a capital P. I'm telling you the capitals because I do not know if those websites are case sensitive or not. Alright, on to the episode. Distorted Reality by Bainthin. Chapter 18, The Swordmaster. Author's Notes. This chapter was a birthday gift to one of my most consistent reviewers at the time, Vanilla Cream Cake. If you're still out there, I hope to hear from you again. Book 1, Fire. Chapter 17, The Sword Master. Zuko steeled himself as he walked up to Piondo's estate at the top of the hill, concentrating on the uneven ground at his feet. The grass in the fields all around him swayed with the wind. It was a calming presence. Unconsciously, he looked to the horizon for the sea, but Piondo's castle blocked his view. He gulped. For some reason, he felt inexplicably nervous. He needed this. He had to prove himself to his friends. That thought pushed him forward. His boots padded against the rocky path as he climbed the slight slope. As he neared the gigantic doors, he examined the design etched into the rock. It was a white lotus carved beautifully on the doors, made out of white stone but outlined in gold. For some strange reason, the design seemed to match the one on Aang's headband. As he approached the door, Zuko took a deep, calming breath and raised his hand to the ornate gold knocker. A sudden rush of wind took him by surprise, ruffling his hair and clothes. The next moment, Aang was there, skidding to a halt at Zuko's side. He was panting. I came here as fast as I could, Aang said, straightening. He patted his orange clothing, cleaning it of dirt and wrinkles. Why? What's wrong? 
Zuko asked, his eyes narrowing in concern. Had something happened? Nothing's wrong. I'd also like to train with Master Piondo. Aang's words rushed through his head like a gust of wind, clearing his mind of any other thought. Aang, the Avatar, wanted to learn how to wield a sword? More importantly, he was taking it away from Zuko. Mastering the way of the sword was his way of helping his friends. It was supposed to make him unique and helpful. Aang could not learn it. It was the way of non-benders like him. Why? Zuko asked darkly. Aang, apparently, did not expect this reaction. I thought it would be helpful, he replied, giving Zuko a significant stare. It clearly said not to cross him. Without another word, Aang banged the knocker against the heavy doors. It was opened by one of Piondo's servants right before Zuko opened his mouth to argue. Yes, the man asked. He seemed snobbish to Aang. However, he saw Zuko. Ah, you must be the new student. You may come inside. Zuko smirked victoriously at Aang as he was let in. Wait, I'd also like to train under the master, Aang said hurriedly. The butler sighed. <sighs> Fine, let's get this over with. The butler led the two of them down long, fanciful hallways, all which depicted ornate white lotus designs or murals of ancient, long-forgotten lion turtles. Aang peered at all of these curiously while Zuko spent the whole time glaring at him. The avatar refused to look in his direction. Finally, the group of three stopped in front of another set of large doors. I think this goes without saying, but show respect to the master, the butler yawned, pushing open the doors. Both Aang and Zuko gasped at the sheer size of the room and a whole wall that seemed to be made of windows overlooking the calm ocean below. Piondo stood at this window with his back to them, his hands folded behind his back, staring at the rising sun, almost at its zenith. Zuko, how good to see you, the swordmaster greeted, turning to face him. His eyes calmly wandered over to Aang, fixed for a moment on his white lotus headband, and then spoke again. I see you have brought a friend. Aang greeted him with a traditional Fire Nation bow. My name is Aang. I would also like to learn the ways of the sword. Zuko, did you think I would take on a second student just because he was your friend? Piondo questioned. No, master, Zuko said, glancing at Aang. I just found out he wanted to learn under you, too. I am curious as to why the Avatar would want to pick up a blade, he said calmly. Is bending not enough for you? Swordsmanship is a much more delicate art. Aang's eyes widened. How was Piondo always able to figure out he was the Avatar before they even met? To answer his question, Aang thought back to his dream the day before, an incarnation in Bato's water-filled ice prison. He had nearly died, and bending had failed him. His own strength had failed him. He could not let something like that happen again. He needed to be prepared for all situations. He remembered how easily Sokka was able to use his sword to cut through ice and metal. And if one of his enemies wanted to fight near him in close quarters, a staff would not be enough. He was also interested to see how his bending could be augmented with a weapon such as John. And, like always, he was curious about something he had never done before. The more he changed, the more he stayed the same. Finally, Aang answered him. Bending, it is a part of me. It's what I rely on, he said carefully. But when it fails me, that's the worst feeling in the world. I almost died recently and I realized something. 
I cannot rely solely on my bending. I felt so helpless. I'm willing to do anything that will help me defeat the Water Emperor. Piondo stared at him for a long time, as if trying to see if he was sincere. Aang did not falter under his scrutinizing gaze. Very well, he said finally. He walked around his desk, putting both of his hands on each of their shoulders. I will make you two into worthy warriors. They went to their training immediately, but very quickly, Aang decided that this was the strangest training he had ever undertaken. Aang and Zuko were to wear identical black uniforms trimmed in gold, but otherwise they were plain and loose-fitting. They started with calligraphy. The students sat next to each other at their master's desk, brushes poised over scrolls of parchment. Aang dipped into black paint and pulled back his sleeve, prepared to write about several things as they were instructed to. After mulling it over for a moment, he began with a short poem often recited to him by Monk Gyatso, and one he heard a few times by Iroh before he was killed. Unfortunately for Aang, he had not written any calligraphy in an extremely long time, probably since he was with the monks many, many years ago, but he remembered most of it and his writing was neat enough. Zuko, evidently, was not educated much in the ways of calligraphy, which Aang noticed upon peering at his paper. He struggled with simple words and carefully held his brush straight. He knew Zuko was literate because Iroh doubtlessly educated him and his sister, but he was still having trouble. Next, they were told to arrange rock gardens outside. Apparently, it was supposed to teach one how to use their environment to their advantage. After Piondo gave him a strict warning not to use any earthbending, which Aang matter-of-factly replied that he did not yet know any, Aang and Zuko went to work. Here, too, Aang had to think long and hard. He much preferred to have rocks revolving around him, ready to strike at his foes, but Aang pushed several tall rocks toward his side of the garden, because Zuko drew a line cutting right through the middle, strictly telling him not to go near his own side. After arranging his rocks as he saw fit, Aang had several spires shooting out of the ground, creating a wind tunnel effect. He proudly displayed it to Piondo, even shooting a long, continuous blast of air, which was greatly enhanced by the placement of the rocks. The master seemed to disapprove of it slightly, but Aang dryly informed him that airbending was not against the rules. Zuko ended up with a measly pile of rocks and boulders, which he claimed gave him the high ground against his foes. Aang smiled proudly. He was doing better than his friend, when he had no previous knowledge of sword fighting. Unnoticed by him, Zuko was silently fuming in anger at the Avatar. Ugh! Azula moaned. I can't believe that those two left me to babysit you! Very much annoyed, the firebender lounged around in the camp with only Tai Lee for company. The acrobat was flipping around, constantly chattering about Zuko and steadily giving Azula a headache. Hey, I'm not a baby, and you're not sitting on me, the other girl protested. Why are you so grumpy lately? She propped her head up on her elbows, stretching her feet around to scratch her forehead. Because I'm supposed to have a firebending master by now she said angrily, her fingertips smoking. We should have left this place already. Knowing Zuzu, it'll take him months to master that piece of metal, if he even can. Honestly, it'll be up to Aang to train him so we can leave quickly. What makes you think that Aang will master swordsmanship first? Hailey pondered. You seem to hold him in high regard. 
What? You don't think he can? He is the Avatar, and he's not a bumbling idiot. Most of the time, Azula said, waving her hand at the obvious. I don't think that's your real reason, Ty Lee said, edging up to her slyly. You still like Aang, don't you? Azula sputtered for a moment, which was something Ty Lee found absurdly funny. What are you talking about? I don't like anybody. I don't know, Azula. You make it very obvious. Huh, Azula scoffed. You're about as perceptive as a child. You know, they always say that children are the most perceptive. Well, then you are a fool, Azula replied, examining her nails. I'm done with this subject. Stop edging around it, Azula. This isn't like you. Do you want Aang to like you or not? I can get him to like you. When Azula didn't answer, Tylee continued. I mean, I can see why you like him. He's pretty cute if you can get over how short he is. And he's noble and strong and brave. He seems like the sort of guy for you. You said you can get him to like me? Azula asked, barely glancing up at Tylee. The girl's face broke out into one of the largest smiles she had ever seen. Of course, I'm pro at that. Acknowledging her victory, Tylee proceeded to give Azula some more boy advice. Zuko was fuming. He was so angry at Aang. Why would he want to learn how to use a sword? It didn't make sense to him, not when Aang was so talented already. Zuko wanted his own skill to make himself look better in his friend's eyes. But Aang was taking that away. Piondo noticed his frustrations as Aang walked off. You are jealous, Piondo noted, staring at Aang's back. Yeah, Zuko agreed, glaring at his friend. Dismiss it, the older man said. A feeling such as jealousy is not helpful on the battlefield. But everything always comes so easily to him, Zuko said dejectedly. The kid's so strong. And me, I'm just a failure. I always have been. Give yourself some credit. You were the one fighting so well in the tournament, not Aang, the master said to him. Self-loathing is also not a useful trait to have on the battlefield. I know, but... Piondo cut him off. I initially chose you as my student above all the other competition. Not because you won, but because of your fierce determination and willingness to fight. You have so much more potential than any other person there. Zuko was stunned into silence, and Piondo's mouth curved. Just think on that. Piondo was surprisingly lenient. After the rock garden arrangements, he allowed the two to have a break. The three of them were seated around a table in the swordsman's beautiful courtyard, the sun beating down on them warmly. They were served tea and small vanilla cream cakes by the butler. Aang especially loved the sweet dessert. After that, they were finally handed practice swords. Right in the back of Piondo's castle was an even square made of stone, which served as Piondo's personal practice ring. Zuko was fighting first in a duel against the butler, Fat, who was a surprisingly skilled swordsman. Both were in padded armor, fighting with dulled blades. Zuko held up well against the butler, but once he was disarmed, Piondo immediately gave him critiques. He commented on Zuko's horrible footwork yet again, but noted his superior speed and advantage of youth. Zuko was fast at blocking and quick to resume the attack. He had skill with the sword, but it was not yet refined. Zuko smirked at Aang as he passed, as if daring him to do better. 
the boy did not back down from the challenge. He held the sword protectively in front of him in a clumsy stance, unused to the strange weight in his hands. When Piondo asked if they were ready, Fat and Aang nodded. When they did, Fat waited for Aang to attack. The avatar started off with a swipe to the man's midsection, which was very easily blocked. The butler slid his blade along his opponent's and sent it spinning out of his hand. It clattered to the ground. Aang smiled sheepishly at Piondo. You've never held a sword in your life, have you? Piondo asked him, raising an eyebrow. Nope, Aang said truthfully. Zuko was snickering, but he ignored him. First, you've got to start well on your grip. Second, watch your stance. It was horribly flawed, and you would have fallen easily if Fat had attacked you first. Biondo showed him appropriate offensive and defensive stances, which Aang copied until he memorized. Then, like a young child, Fat impatiently taught him easy blocking and attacking techniques, the correct way to hold his sword, and Biondo told him that it was his own duty to make a proper judgment in battle. Aang nodded, absorbing as much information as he could into his head. Over the course of the training, Aang improved slightly, and Piondo noticed his vastly superior agility even without the use of his airbending, which, as before, he was forbidden to use. Piondo strictly told him not to use any bending. So far, Aang's only expertise was in his dodging. Don't think you're getting any special treatment because you're the Avatar, Piondo once said to him. Finally, Aang and Zuko were paired up to duel each other. It was an event that Aang had foreseen since the beginning of the training, and he was not looking forward to it. Zuko was still angry at him, but slightly arrogant because of the fact that he was a more experienced swordsman than Aang. The two took identical stances. Before Piondo officially started the fight, Zuko and Aang attacked each other. For them, it was more than just a friendly duel now. It was an all-out competition. It was a battle of honor. Their swords met right in between the two, clashing with a flash of sparks. Zuko immediately brought his sword around to try and strike Aang's shoulder, but he was able to block it in time. Aang backflipped away from him, getting distance, and then rushed toward his opponent again with his sword held high. Again, they met in the middle of their rushes, colliding with surprising forces sent quivers down Aang's arm. Quickly, Zuko moved to attack Aang with several quick stabs, very few of which he managed to swat out of the way. Using only one hand to hold his sword, Aang jumped out of the way of Zuko's furious barrage. His opponent's sword followed him, and at that moment, Aang realized the only advantage he had, his speed. Good, Aang. Use your advantages, Piondo said. The boy used his reflexes to duck under Zuko's horizontal swings, to jump to the right of his vertical ones. He rarely used his sword to block, instead preferring to strike lightly when it would matter. Fighting one-handedly gave him more speed. Two hands gave him power. As was usual, he preferred speed, so getting into quick bites of the sword suited his style. Aang was using the circular motions of an airbender, constantly revolving around Zuko in an attempt to confuse him. Make the right judgments, their master spoke. Soon, Zuko figured out his pattern and cut off Aang's movements with a sharp stab of his blunt sword, then walked forward aggressively, backing Aang to the edge of the ring. Aang was forced to jump off it to, into the grass, but Zuko continued the attack, utilizing the high ground. Aang was able to block some of the swings, but was unluckily bruised on a sword arm when Zuko managed to hit him. He was being quickly overwhelmed and forced to fight defensively. He tried to parry once, and Zuko didn't fall for it. Zuko, go for the finish. Aang, nice try on the parrying. With one last powerful swing, Zuko knocked Aang's sword out of his hand. The Avatar was defeated. Aang gracefully accepted the defeat, bowing to Zuko. The teenager returned the bow, as was custom. Azula would have never pictured this scene. She and Tylee continued to talk about herself and Aang, 
and the acrobat gave her tons of advice. First of all, she was expected to be nicer. Second, Tylee seemed to have a problem with her looks. You have so much hair, Azula. Let it be free. When your hair is up, you make yourself seem strict and intimidating. Boys don't like that. Be more laid back, the girl said. Smile a bit more. Now, Tylee was combing Azula's hair, freeing it of the knots and tangles she had acquired during her travels. Azula's golden headpiece was laid off gently to the side. As Tylee combed, Azula felt her eyes closing as she was comforted by the feeling. It had been a long time since someone else had combed her hair. She remembered several years ago how her mother used to comb it. It was so relaxing. Mother always said she loved her hair, thick and the darkest shade of black. Mother was always able to make it silky and smooth, and Azula never figured out how. Azula waited patiently as Tylee lathered her hair with some of her exotic products, rinsed it, and fashioned it as she saw fit. Once that was done, Tylee let it dry naturally. Next, the acrobat fished for a kit in her personal bag, pulling out a golden object. What is that? Azula asked sharply. In response, Tylee popped the top off the object, revealing a ruby-red substance. Lipstick, she replied cheerily. We're going for something simple here, but the color fits you. It's going to look nice. If you say so, Azula said uneasily. Now it's time for the two of you to make swords of your own, Piondo said, leading the two to his workshop. Once they entered the room, both sets of gray and gold eyes widened, seeing the numerous, expertly crafted swords hung on the walls and laid out in rows. The room was hot dominated largely by a furnace used for smithing. Actually, let me see your broadsword, Zuko. Zuko did as he was told, unsheathing them and handing them to Piondo. They are of a fine quality, and you are doing an excellent job taking care of them. He tested the weight. Not my type of sword, but you are proficient in the use of these. I would say to keep using them. You will not need to forge your own. Thank you, master, Zuko said with a nod, taking his swords back and sheathing them. Aang's eyes roamed the room, landing on a jet-black blade laid out on a table next to a decorative sheath. It was Sokka's meteorite blade, which Aang knew very well. Master, what's that? Aang asked Piondo, pointing to the black sword. Ah, Piondo walked up to the sword, lifting it from the table. This is the best blade I have ever created, and my favorite. I forged it from a meteorite that has landed here a few years ago. He stared at the sword for a few moments, then turned to Zuko. You may leave now. Aang has to stay here to make his sword. It will go on well through the night. Thank you, Master. I'll return in the morning, said the teenager. Without another word, he turned to leave. Wait, Zuko stopped. It will not be necessary for you to return, said Piondo. He turned to his older student. You are a skilled swordsman already. It is my firm belief that you do not need any further training, as you have already learned much on your travels. But, Master, it's only been a day, Zuko protested, and I'm still not that good. Your travels with the Avatar are more important, Piando said, and value yourself and your skills more. I have said already that you have an astounding amount of potential and raw ability to go with it. 
You have a fierce determination like the strongest and most noble of lion turtles. Not only that, but you're strong enough to train Aang now. What? Zuko exclaimed. No more can be learned from me. The way of the sword is one that you must discover for yourself. Aang was speechless. He would be learning from Zuko again, but this time it would be something different. This unexpected turn of events did not make him upset. In fact, he looked forward to training with Zuko again. And you, Aang, I sense in you much pain, conflict, death, and destruction, but a willingness to help your friends and fight to your last breath. You are also a worthy swordsman, and I willingly entrust your training to Zuko. Thank you, Master, Aang said with a bow. But first, we will make your sword, Yanda said. Zuko, you may leave now. Farewell, Master, Zuko said with another bow. I don't know what else to say. Hyando smiled. You have been my greatest student. First, before even making his blade, Aang had to critically examine each of the materials for a sword that Piando had to offer. He tested the weight, durability, and malleability, and went off of Piando's advice. Finally, Aang had to conclude that none of the materials suited him. He had his mind set on a certain specific type. An hour after Zuko left, Aang turned to Piando. Master, can I use a material of my own? He asked after some thought. Of course, Aang, the older man said. That would be preferred. Great, I'll be back in the morning then, he said. He bowed in farewell and the avatar was on his way. That was not his intention at all. Aang went out into the night, but instead of going back to camp, he waited in the forest on the outskirts of town. He stayed up on a tree branch and did not move for several hours, preparing himself for what he was about to do. When it was finally midnight, Aang leapt from the tree branch, rubbing his sore backside. He avoided the town altogether, heading toward Piondo's castle wall. His airbending easily enabled him to soar right over the high walls. Still clad in his dark uniform, he was unseen in the night. The boy made his way over Piondo's forge, which was open to the outside in order for the smoke from the furnace to go out into the air. Aang lit a small flame in his palm as he wandered over to the master's collection of swords. Once he found the black meteorite sword, he grinned himself. The light of the fire was reflected off the black blade eerily. Slowly, Aang's hand closed around the hilt. Before he could lift it, a white sword pinned it to the table. Aang looked up at the person responsible in shock. Piondo was there. He was caught. You are easy to read, Avatar, the man said. My sword is not being stolen tonight. Determined not to give up the blade, Aang commanded the fire to leap into the man's face, which distracted him long enough to let go of his sword, letting Aang pull the meteorite one free. Aang jumped backward onto another table, holding the black sword ready. It fit comfortably in his palm. Piondo pulled his arm away from his face. The fire served only as a distraction. It was not meant to harm the man. I'm sorry for doing this, but I really want this sword, Aang said as a way of explanation. You'll have to fight for it. Piondo challenged, swiping at a table Aang was standing on. The avatar leapt backwards on a cushion of air, determined to put distance between the two. He turned his back for only a moment to run out of the enclosed area and out into the training arena, which was just outside. When he turned his head to see where his opponent was, he was met with shock when Piondo was much closer than he realized. Aang turned around long enough to swing his sword three times, using the inertia to cut three swaths as its airbending, all of which hit the older man. The force of the attack threw him back into the destroyed table, but Aang looked at his sword in shock. He barely put any force into his airbending. The blade amplified and condensed the air blasts that much? The possibilities of how fine he could make them entered his brain, and he grinned. 
He knew how much that kind of offensive power went against airbending philosophy, but at that moment, he didn't care. He wondered why all their airbenders didn't use swords. Piondo would not be getting his sword back today. The older man recovered quicker than Aang would have thought, rushing at the boy again with his sword raised. Aang swung the meteorite blade one more time, but Piondo was wise enough to dodge the blow. With remarkable agility, the man was able to dodge all subsequent strikes. He was nearing Aang, so the boy jumped backward into an air current that lifted him higher into the air. But the avatar condensed the wind around him and focused it on his blade, swinging it and utilizing all the sword's cutting power. Aang landed on the top of Piondo's shingled wall as he watched the effects of his wind arc. Good! Utilize your bending advantage! Piondo shouted at him. Aang raised an eyebrow. Was Piondo really giving him a lesson at a time like this? The older man managed to jump against the wall and kick off it like a springboard, propelling himself away from the effects of Aang's attack. Aang was very impressed by the power the sword gave him. There was enough cutting power to make a mark on a rock, and it was quite a deep mark in the ground, too. Aang made this thought clear in his head. He was not trying to kill Piondo. He was just testing the new, interesting abilities the meteorite sword gave him. Satisfied with the results, he sent three small fireballs down on Piondo to distract him. Then he leapt off at the wall and into the night. Piondo's sword cut through the three fireballs with ease, dissipating them. Immense disappointment for a student welled up inside of him, but the master did not pursue him further. For now, he would let the Avatar have the blade, for he had won it. But he would fight another day. He was going to get the meteorite sword back. Aang spent the rest of his night away from camp, just in case one of his friends was still awake and questioned his earlier-than-expected return. He waited until early the next morning to go back, where he found all three of them awake. Zuko was the first to spot the naked sword at his hip. He actually let you have that? He asked in shock. The boy put down his breakfast next to the fire and got up to stand in front of Aang. No, he didn't, Aang said truthfully. Then he lied. He still had material left over from the meteorite. We forged a second one. Wow, that's an amazing blade, Zuko said. For a moment, there was an awkward silence between them. Look, I'm sorry they both said at once. Aang chuckled. You go first, Zuko said. I'm sorry, Zuko, said Aang. I know you wanted to learn how to properly wield a sword yourself, but... Aang, that's not important, Zuko interrupted. I'm the one who's sorry. I was being selfish, he said shamefully. There was another moment of silence, but Aang held out his hand in forgiveness. Well, I better get used to calling you master, Aang said to him with a grin. It was now Zuko's turn to chuckle. Yeah, he said, scratching the back of his neck. I hope I don't mess up. I bet you're a good teacher, Aang told him. He knew he was. Well, let's get out of here. We should reach the Golden City by the end of today. Finally, Azula said, standing up to greet him. Aang's jaw dropped. Her hair was free from her regular top knot, falling down past her shoulders in dark waves. He'd seen her with her hair down so many times before, but now? Now she looked like Katara. Specifically, the way Katara did while they were hiding in the Fire Nation before the solar eclipse. Azul's hair was wavy and thick and dark, but her characteristic bangs were still there instead of the specific style that Katara preferred. Azula's hair was still up in a topknot, but her shining golden headpiece was stuck in it, reflecting the light of the sun. In addition, Azula was wearing red lipstick something he had never seen her wear in this world, but something he never saw her without in his own. Ty Lee giggled. He's speechless! Azula was wringing her fingers together. 
compliment her, Angie, Tylee barked at him. Uh, you look good as well, he said, scratching the back of his neck. Blood was rushing to his face. Azula laughed softly, uncharacteristically. Thanks, she said. A moment later, when nobody did anything, except for Zuko, who gaped in horror, Azula suddenly snapped to attention, and she was Azula again. Now, let's get going. I'm ready to master firebending. She held her palms out, flames blazing in each of them. Aang laughed, noticing that the camp was already mostly packed up in preparation for leaving, which was no doubt Azula's work. Yeah, let's go. As the four friends got into Appa's saddle and flew into the sky, each of their minds were on different things. Ty Lee and Azula were both facing the Golden City, one with trepidation, the other with excitement. Azula was thinking only of her firebending. Zuko's eyes were on the landmass they were just leaving, thinking about the master they were leaving behind and the problems he may incur with his own sword training, still thinking he wasn't ready. And Aang's eyes were on the meteorite sword, still without a sheath. He felt slightly guilty for stealing it, but he kept remembering who it belonged to. The sword was Sokka's, and one day he would get it back. Aang vowed to give it to him once Sokka was on his side. He was willing to do anything for the greater good. As they always said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Author's Notes Notes from the original posting Okay, some of you may disagree with Aang's two major decisions in this chapter taking on sword training and stealing the meteorite sword. The first was explained quite thoroughly in this chapter, so I hope that people won't question that. But Aang's theft marks just how far Aang is willing to go to do what he feels is right, which he has been guilty of doing before. But keep in mind, this war-torn Aang is much different from the old Aang. Anyway, next chapter they'll finally get to the Golden City, where secrets will be revealed and we'll be setting up for the book one finale. Finally! Hey guys, it's me, Madame Melomiao, bringing you the outro to the chapter. Um, you may have noticed that the audio this week is a little janky. I'm getting used to the different microphone. I'm getting used to the fact that the walls echo in this dorm. And I'm getting used to the fact that the microphone stand that goes with this microphone is actually broken. I have it leaned against the wall at a slight angle because it's the only way to keep the thing upright. I'm hopeful that by next week, things will be... Um, in the swing enough that at least the quality won't dip too drastically. Thank you for listening so much. Thank you for subscribing if you do that. If you haven't yet, consider it. Consider telling your friends about us. Consider leaving a review, rating us, commenting something nice, sending us an ask on our Tumblr, DMing us on Reddit, messaging or adding us on Twitter, or, if you, for some reason, feel the need to send us something that you think is a bit longer than the character limit of any of those platforms, we have a Gmail. It is avatardistortedrealitypodcast at gmail.com. Yes, the whole thing. So, if you have something that you really want to tell us and you don't want to tell us through social media, for whatever reason, our inbox is open. Send us an email. Again, thank you for listening. And we will see you next week.